Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. J.J. Reddick. I like the Mavericks and J.J. Reddick, actually. Won't move anything, but... Late-night anger management class. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabe Lomarenzi. All right, Matthias is a Clipper fan. So, uh, Matthias, uh, how do you feel about uh, Rajon Rondo right now? You like your chances a little bit better uh, moving forward? Because I honestly, I know you like Sweet Lou. And, you know, Lou Williams is a, he's a streaky shooter, but when he's hot... You know, he's, he's a lot of fun to watch, and, you know, he can drain it. And, you know, he's a good guy. He's a funny guy and stuff like that. But there's a reason why, Matthias, he's been on a bunch of teams. You can't win without playing defense, bro, in, in, in the playoffs. And Lou Williams doesn't get it. It's not like he suddenly was going to change. You're way better off with Rondo instead of Williams. No, yeah, you're right. Uh, at the end of the day, the Clippers needed a point guard. I've been, you know, I've been saying that all year long. They're a point guard away from being where they want to be. They did just that. Rondo... I'm like 50-50 with the Rondo piece because I would have liked a better shooter, but it wasn't available. But at the same time, you said it. The Clippers got better on the defensive side of the basketball, and they got a playmaker uh, with Kawhi and Paul George. So now you kind of take the ball off of Kawhi and Paul George at the end of the games, and you give it to Rondo, and he's going to set them up to success. So it's going to be fun to watch what the what the Clippers have with Rajon Rondo. Uh, I guess now we get to see if playoff Rondo comes back to life because we all know that playoff Rondo is pretty damn good. There's no, um, besides Kyle Lowry, Rondo is the best available fit uh, for the Clippers. And quite frankly, they didn't have anything to give up. Uh, to the, the Raptors weren't trading Kyle Lowry for Lou Williams. <laughs> they traded Lou Williams back, uh, back, back to Toronto. And in the end, you know what? Listen, man, one, thing, one of the reasons why Kyle Lowry is my favorite player, all right? And my boy Venture was coming at me on Twitter. Uh, I didn't have a chance to respond. Maybe he's around. Uh, we'll get into it. But... One of the reasons why I like Lowry, just because Lowry brings it all the time. He cares. But one of the reasons why I like Kyle Lowry, too, as a person, is his pure just honesty. Right? Like, you know, I remember when they lost, like, to the Cavaliers years ago. I didn't like hearing it at the time, but he was right. They said, so what happened? You know? And he goes, LeBron James. That's what happened. Right? And, you know, but last night and for the last couple of weeks, Kyle Lowry said, I don't know what's going to happen. A lot of times players will just sort of lie and say, oh yeah, no, I love it here, but I'm really trying to get out of here. Kyle Lowry waved goodbye last night. He thought I could get traded. It didn't happen. People in Philly are flipping out because it didn't. Bring it. Relax. You don't have to actually play these sports. Just know about them. Keep it here. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? 
You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Then get on the grid, sportsgrid.com. You're listening to a different kind of sports talk. We're not just talk about sports, but talk about sports you can use. Get the winning edge. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. This ladies and I'm an artist. You an artist? Your husband's work is what we call outsider art. It could be by a mental patient or a hillbilly or a chimpanzee. The late night anger management class. This is Sports Rage. I am Gable Morenci. The pimps, the players, the hustlers, the people of Boston, and everybody else in between. Uh, we got a stacked deck uh, here tonight. Drew Martin Betts is going to join us. We get his thoughts on the Sweet 16. Chris Montero from CollegeBasketballNews.com. Big card Julio Rosario uh, on the radar as well. Of course, it was the NBA trade deadline countdown uh, to the Sweet 16 is on. But to get you caught up to date as far as the trade uh, deadline was concerned, the biggest move, Aaron Gordon. You know, Aaron Gordon. Um, Aaron Gordon is, um, you know, the guy's a, an explosive player. He's a big dude. He plays defense. Like, he basically can do everything, right? He can take, you know, he can pop a three for you. Um, he's a big dude. He's a very good defensive player. And you look at the Western Conference and who you have to match up against. You got to bang bodies with Rudy Gobert. You got to bang bodies in the paint with LeBron James and go up for a rebound with Kawhi Leonard. With Morris, with Ibaka, right? Like, there's a lot of big... Do you notice the pattern with the, these teams, right? It's a lot of big men out there. <clears throat> and in the playoffs, <clears throat> in the playoffs, it's all about it's separating the men from the boys in the playoffs. And Rondo has been there and done that before. Aaron Gordon has not. But I like the fact that Aaron Gordon is going to be hungry right now. Aaron Gordon's been on a bad team for his entire career here. Now he's getting catapulted right into the middle of a of a title chase with a Denver Nugget team that I think are a lot better than the odds correlate. Yeah, I just you know if you look at you know we talked about it with Teddy and think back to last year, guys. It was an epic playoff series in the bubble uh, between the Denver Nuggets and the Utah Jazz, in which the Utah Jazz had a three-one series lead. And they blew the lead. The Nuggets came back and won the series. But remember the games, man. Like, you know, overtime games, one-point games, track meet games, low-scoring games. Remember, like, game seven was like 80 to 78 or something like that. You know what I mean? But that's good stuff. That You know what I mean? You look at the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors had to lose a bunch of times in the playoffs. You you know, it's hard to go from worst to first in the NBA. You need to taste that playoff pain a bit. You need to have been in that big moment. And the Denver Nuggets have, all right? You know, the the Nuggets have, and I I think there's a ton of value. And, you know, I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. I'm not a big futures guy only because I'm a very impatient son of a bitch. I'm an impatient bastard, (laughs) all right? Uh, But... With that being stated, whatever, man, we're already into April now. 
right? April's like next week or in a couple of days. I'm not good with dates, but uh, whatever, it's coming up. <laughs> so April's coming up, April, May, June, we're here. You know what I'm saying? Like the NBA playoffs are around the corner uh, right now. So, and rapidly approaching the play-in stuff and all of that. So you really don't have to wait all that long. And at 12 to one, tw- uh, actually, you know what? It went up since we started talking. People are like, you know what, Marenzi, you're an idiot. They're not winning anything. They're not winning. It was 12 to one. The people of FanDuel are like, make it 13. <laughs> make it 13 and Marenzi will really bet it. 13 to one. Like I said, the Utah Jazz are plus 440 to win the Western Conference. The Denver Nuggets are 13 to one. They're the same damn team. It's like, you know, this is like my argument. You know what it is? This is like the same thing as I brought up before with uh, Arkansas and Alabama. What did I tell you guys, like all season? I've been telling you this for like the last damn two months. I said, guys, look at Arkansas's odds and look at Alabama's odds. So, you know what I mean? Like Alabama is like 16 to 1, 18 to 1. Arkansas is 55 to 1. Yet Arkansas just beat Alabama and they pretty much have the same record. <laughs> so, right, like, so it's like, is Alabama better than Arkansas? I don't know, maybe. But they're not like, you know, 55 to 1 to 16 to 1 better. And it's the same thing here when I look at the Denver Nuggets. You know, am I writing the Los Angeles Lakers off too quickly? Maybe. Maybe. Um, I don't know. Are they just going to appear like Batman? Is the bat signal going to get sent out? And suddenly AD and LeBron are going to come back and everything is just going to be okay? I don't know if they can flick the switch. And... You know, it, it, it's tough. It's You know, last year, everything fell into place for the Lakers. They rode the emotion of Kobe Bryant's passing. They got good matchups, sort of like a college basketball team in the bubble. You know, everything just sort of fell into place for them. Look at the Miami Heat in the finals, guys. Not to take it anyway for the Lakers, but, you know, people will forget. That's the whole thing. Like, you know, it's funny with the, when the Raptors won the title, people still bitch about that. People still, well, Kevin Durant got hurt. Well, yeah, Kevin Durant got hurt, right? And, you know, Clay Thompson got hurt in the play in a series, too, right? Yeah, you notice, like, the Lakers won. How many people bring up, yeah, yeah, but Gordon Dragic and Bam Abadeo didn't play, right? And they had, like, two other guys out. Like, the Miami Heat didn't have, like, three starters <laughs> out of their five guys, right? No one, no one brings that up, though. It's funny. It's a selective memory. Long story short, basketball fans are jackasses. Let's bring in a big card Julio right now. Julio Rosario, play-by-play voice of Chicago State. Uh, sorry for to, to make you come in right after that, Julio. <laughs> but, you know, it is, it is what it is. It is, it no, is what no, it is. No, tr- no truer statement, Marenzi. Uh, the world's full, uh, filled with jackasses. And uh, as a former <laughs> rideshare driver, I can attest that, yes, the world is filled with a bunch of jackasses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. There's, there's some nice people too. Some nice people. Yeah, some nice. People. Holy yeah. crap! I just looked out my window and I thought like Armageddon was coming. I'm like, what the hell just happened? I'm looking, I'm like, looking into the sky, and it was like, you know, it's like, uh, it's like the the rapture or something like that. And then I re- I remember they're they're shooting a TV show, so I'm like, oh yeah, yeah I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Scared the hell out of, literally startled me. I'm like, what the hell just happened? It was almost like an explosion or something. But they're shooting some Fox kind TV like show. Bad, I don't know what it is. Kind of like Bad Companies. The sky is burning. I thought that literally the sky was yeah, burning yeah, yeah, right yeah. outside your window there. Uh, 
I didn't have the best night tonight. My sky kind of is burning. <laughs> so, uh, listen, Julio. Uh, we'll get into uh, Loyola Chicago here, but what 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 do you make of uh, Nikolai Vucevic and uh, Farouk Aminu for Wendell Carter Jr. and Otto Carter Jr. and two first round picks? Well, it's it's quite clear that Arturis Karnaschovas and company, the new Bulls president, they're not messing around. There, it's quite clear they don't want to wait until next summer's draft to select a lottery pick and and select someone for the future. They want to make the the play-in tournament. They want this Bulls squad to experience a, a postseason this year. I love the move. I mean, you're bringing in a guy in uh, in Vucevic who's a double double machine over his NBA career, a seven footer Montenegrin who is a finesse type of player. Gabe, you've seen him play. He can rebound, but he also loves loves uh, the offensive type game. Al Farouk Amino is a nice nice role player that the Bulls can can certainly use. And I kind of like Window Carter. Look. I wish I was six foot nine, but in the NBA, if you're six foot nine and you're asked to play the five role, you got to be some sort of special player. I think Wendell Carter can be a, a good NBA player, but it, it was clear that the Bulls lost their patience with him. I think last night he called out his team for losing against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, it was a player that uh, clearly was on his last legs in Chicago, and I think the move is, is terrific, Gabe. And now you got some big bodies with Markkinen and uh, Vucevic here, and of course Zach Levine. And as you stated, the Bulls are trying to make a little bit of a playoff push right now. It'll be interesting to see now with the Raptors as well. The Raptors are right there with the Bulls. Um, they're right behind the Bulls right now, and the Pacers. I can't believe that my team, the Raptors, are behind the Pacers. Like the Pacers suck. God. Got a little work to do. But uh, Raptors, 18 and 26. They get to Phoenix tomorrow, and they still have Kyle Lowry. Now they add uh, Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood, but they lose Norman Powell. So, uh, man, chaos in the NBA, but it's cool stuff. All right, we're going to get into Loyola, Chicago on the other side. Julio Rosario with us. Bring it. Relax. You don't have to actually play these sports. Just know about them. Keep it here. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Grid.com. You're listening to a different kind of sports talk. We're not just talk about sports, but talk about sports you can use. Get the winning edge. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Then I'll go down to the track, put it all on a horse. Why don't you put it in the bank? The bank? This is found money. I want to parlay it. I want to make a big score. Oh, you mean you want to lose it? <laughs> 
Dwight Howard returns to Los Angeles, gets his championship ring, and then gets kicked out of the game. <laughs> that's a night to remember. That, that's, uh, that's a night to remember. Howard making his return to the Staples Center was ejected. Um, in between the first and second quarters as the referee Kane Fitzgerald called a technical foul on Howard for intentionally walking into Montrez Harrell on his way to the Philadelphia bench when the buzzer sounded. And I just, I just love the headline. It's just too good. <laughs> Philadelphia 76ers Dwight Howard ejected after receiving 20, 2020 title ring and return to Staples Center. That's how you do it, bro. That's how you do it. You go you go back to another team, you're not with them anymore. You gay hey, suck it. None of this like all that hugging and all that crap. He's like, no, 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 no. Like come come to come back. Give me my ring and let's fight. That's some good stuff from Dwight Howard. All right, so we're breaking it down. Let's get into the Lyola Chicago game uh, right now with a play-by-play voice of Chicago State. So what do you think, Julio? How many years until uh, Chicago State, they're going to be the next Loyola Chicago? I know there's a little work to do, a little work to do, but can you, can you imagine, can you imagine, though, who would have thought this years ago for Loyola Chicago, huh? That, you know, they're in the Final Four, and now they're in a Sweet 16 again like this. Yeah, no one thought a guy like Porter Mosier could take a school in the Rogers Park neighborhood, a Northside north neighborhood of Chicago, to... Uh, two Sweet Sixteens, a Final Four, and on the verge of another uh, Elite Eight. It's quite remarkable, Gabe, with uh, Porter Mosher. When he took over Loyola, they didn't have a kid from Chicago proper, the city limits of Chicago, in over a decade on that roster. Fast forward to uh, today, as we lead up to Saturday's tip-off, Loyola has two guys from the city of Chicago as their top scorers, their best players from the suburbs of the city. It's quite remarkable what Porter Mosier has done. It's even more remarkable that Loyola is a seven-point, six-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. It's going to be quite intriguing on Saturday to see a team in, in which the perception across the country is that it's only a defensive-minded team, but Porter Mosier said it earlier in the week, Gabe. He wants to play up-tempo. He wants to pick up the pace. He certainly wanted to do that against Illinois. But more times than not, the defense dictates the game. And more times than not, the de- his style of defense wins over. So as much as Porter wants to pick up the tempo, the defense, uh, more times than not, will, uh, will slow the pace down. You know, but they get a Beaver team right now that um... – they defend the three. They're actually the best team in the Pac-12 as far as defending the three-point shot is concerned. You're not going to outwork uh, the Oregon State Beavers. Um, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of things that Loyola Chicago do works against sort of the prima donna star teams. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying it doesn't work against right. everyone because they only lost four games this year. But, like, Oregon State sort of – I think Oregon State match up well with them. And they've got size in the paint, too, to handle Krautwig. Oh, absolutely. Silva, the So did Illinois. Who, so did Illinois, though, well, but well, you know he, what I mean. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, the way Silva has been playing over the last couple of weeks, he, he's a whole different player. I mean, if you look at his stats specifically from last year to this year, it, it's a completely different player. It, it, when you look at this, this style of tournament, Gabe, when you get to the Sweet 16, more times than not, it's all about the coaches. Wayne Tinkle has been outstanding at Oregon State, really – 
turning little into into something good, especially in this run. I, I have a feeling it's – a part of me thinks it's going to be like an under type of game. The total would dictate that. I think it's like 124. But I honestly wouldn't be surprised if somehow, some way, we get a little bit of tempo in this game and it blitz past maybe it gets to 130, 131 and over the number on Saturday. Yeah, I think it's a little light. Uh, we're Julio Rosario uh, joining us. It's a little light, Julio, I think, too. And I know, listen, Teddy was with us earlier. He goes, oh, I'm not, I wouldn't bet the over this game. Yet, I, you know, I don't really see why not. Loyola scored 71 points in each of its uh, tournament games uh, so far. So, you know, they're going to get to 65-70. And like I said, I mean, yes, Illinois cracked. But it doesn't mean the Beavers will crack. They're different teams. They're different teams. We right. see this sometimes. Teams with NBA prospects and, you know, I think Illinois probably went in there sort of thinking, we're going to beat these kids. Like, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Other than the big guy, like, you know, when Illinois is looking at these guys, they're thinking, you know, this isn't going to be a problem. And, and then you saw the fundamentals worked. And listen, uh, you know, Underwood uh, did a horrible job, too, I thought. He didn't do anything. But yeah. I, I like the over. How about the numbers, too, guys? So um, the Beavers are 12-1 and one against the spread in their last 13 games. They're 15-3 and three against the spread their last 18 times as an underdog. They've won both games by double digits, guys, in the tournament. It's not like it was a miracle like Hail Mary, three, three ball at the end of the buzzer. Right? They, they beat Tennessee by 14, and it was worse than that. They were killing them. Like, Tennessee made it more, you know, Tennessee scored a bunch of garbage points. And then we saw them go wire to wire. Wire to wire against Oklahoma State. I'm taking the points, Julio, in this game. I'm taking the points. Yeah, I'm taking the points, too, as much as I want to take the home side. The way Loyola covers is... You know, I foresee it being a three to four point game in the final five minutes of the ball game. And it's going to have to come down to free throws. But if you're going to give me seven, maybe seven and a half, I don't think we'll get to that number. I think it'll be between six and a half, seven before tip off. I'd have to take Oregon State, but the way Loyola covers is it's going to it's going to be a sweat late in the ball game, and you're going to have to make your free throws late to get that cover. I feel. So as we mentioned, the Ramblers averaged seventy one point six. It's crazy, actually, that they put up 71. That's nuts. That's what, actually what they averaged, too. So they scored that in the two tournament games. So in other words, Lila Chicago's getting to 71 points, guys. And the total's 125 and a half. And, oh, yeah, by the way, the Beavers are 7-1 and one to the over in their last eight games. I'm taking the over. Give me the underdog and the over. Yeah. So uh, yeah. we only got about five minutes here, Julio, so... Uh, go on, Julio. But we got about five minutes. What do you what do you want to wrap up on this game? What's your thought? Yeah, in terms of the over, I'm expecting a lot of foul calls, Gabe. When you look at the turn, when the NCAA tournament, either you're going to see a slow paint dry defensive duel where shots aren't falling in, or it's going to be defensive minded where the officials dictate the tempo of the ball game, and we're going to see hopefully six to seven fouls between the midway point of both the first and the second half. If we get there, I think this. I think it, it blitz passes the number game. So listen, everybody, it's not even a joke anymore. Everybody's picking Florida State to beat Michigan. Uh, Teddy was with us earlier. Oh, yeah, this is why I got Michigan bowing out here. What about you, Julio? Who do you like, Florida State or Michigan? 
Uh, give me the more athletic team. Give me a, a Phil Martelli secretly brand club. Give me the uh, the Wolverines to to cover. All right, all right, good stuff. Yes, sir. It's minus one forty two money line, minus two and a half right now. It's going to be a great game. I mean, these teams played a couple of years ago uh, in the Elite Eight, and it was 58-54. It was a battle, and this is going to be a battle as well. It won't be 58-54 this time. I'll tell you that. The total is 143.5 in this game. I'm looking forward to these games. The ones I like, I like like the Beavers plus the 7. I like Syracuse plus the 6.5. Gonzaga minus the 13, Michigan money line, and uh, the Oregon Ducks. Doesn't mean I won't be playing the other games too, Julio. But, um, like, you know, like I'm playing Oral Roberts in Arkansas over the number. And, you know, everyone's saying that Arkansas is going to smoke Oral Roberts, but I'm not going to let that, uh, I'm not going to get brainwashed. I'm riding Oral Roberts still. What do you think about the rest of the card? What's your favorite uh, games here? Uh, or Roberts, I think, can cover. It's one of those matchups. It's one of the rare NCAA tournament matchups where you get two teams against each other for the second time this season. I'm extremely high on Eric Musselman. I remember two years ago when Florida upset Nevada, Eric Musselman in this postgame press conference. I remember seeing him in person. It looked like someone uh, slept with his wife. He was stunned. He couldn't believe that that talented <laughs> Nevada team got bounced in the first round. He's a tremendous coach, and Gabe, when you have a full week off to prepare for these teams, I think coaching is comes even greater in the NCAA tournament. So I like Eric Musselman. I think it's going to be close against Oral Roberts, but that's going to be a fun matchup. And uh, look, Drew Timmy last week, uh, prior to their win in the second round, said, look, we're, we're 0-0 when it comes to the NCAA tournament. We're, we're, we're treating it like we're underdogs. We're not going to mess around. So I love that attitude in Gonzaga. I, I, I have a feeling this could be the year Mark View finally gets that program at Spokane to, to win a national championship. The stars are aligning. The upsets are happening just perfectly for Gonzaga. And I wouldn't be surprised if they roll uh, this weekend as they advance to the, to the Elite Eight. Oh, I think they're going to roll them as well. I mean, look, Julio, they've won 25 games. I hope Mark Few brought a pair of scissors with them because they will be cutting down the nets. But they've won 25 games in a row by double digits, 32 games in a row out right now. So um, it's down to 13. I don't know why. Who the hell? I don't know why they did that. But down to 13, guys. So you really so if they've won 25 in a row by double digits, you've got a three-point window to play with here, essentially. Like, really? You really yeah. think Creighton, the same Creighton team that scored 48 points against Georgetown two weeks ago, are going to be the ones to knock off uh, Gonzaga? Gonzaga are going to roll them. Julio, we got to go already, buddy. Great stuff as always. Yeah, take, take care. Good luck, everybody. Chris Montaire steps up in it. Bring it. Come on. Admit it. You do your own play-by-play in your head when you play horse. Don't you? (laughs) You do you, bro. We are the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the source of live odds, lines, matchups, injury reports, and news you can use. But we just call it the winning edge. Keep it here. There's plenty to go around. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. You're listening to Sports Grid Late Night with Gabe Marinci on Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM Channel 204. The Late Night Anger Management Class continues. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabe Marinci. We're throwing it down, Sirius XM Channel 204. Aaron Montaire in the house. Chris Montaire joins us. CollegeBasketballNews.com. Throwing it down, Sweet 16 style. How you doing, Chris? Great to be back with you. I hope you got my bracket that I sent you. Ignore the marks. It looks like whiteout. It really isn't. I definitely had Oral Roberts uh, still alive, Syracuse, Oregon State, UCLA, all those teams around. So ignore what looks like maybe whiteout. You know what? My bracket is probably worse than yours, bro. But, <laughs> I mean, we're not alone at least, right? At least, you know, No, I, and I'm, <laughs> I'm actually one of the people that like it this way. I don't necessarily need to have Duke and Kentucky. And I'm, I've enjoyed the games. And it's great to see some of these sleeper teams like Oral Roberts. I had a buddy who actually went to school there. Probably one of the few people who's actually been to a game at Oral Roberts in, in beautiful Tulsa, Oklahoma. So, I like seeing some of these teams. Oregon State was the team that had to win the Pac-12 tournament to even get in. UCLA, a lot of people thought losing – Four games straight at the end of the year, they were kind of a dead dead man walking. But rallied was down by double digits in the first half against uh, Michigan State. Rallied and and now is in the Sweet Sixteen. So I, I like seeing some of these upsets more maybe than other people do. Let me ask you. I'm going to put you on, uh, on you know, in the hot seat here. But if you only, let's say, you know, you, you didn't have a choice, you could only watch one game. You only have two and a half hours this weekend that you can watch basketball. Out of these eight games, which is the game that you're like, oh, I'm not missing that game? Yeah, that's the tough part because you look, Michigan and Florida State, if you went, you know, if every game were chalk, one, two, three, four, one, the only game that you would actually have seen was Michigan-Florida State. Every other matchup has, has an upset. You have, you know, obviously a 12 and an 8 playing in Oregon State, Loyola, you know, you have a lot of upsets. Some are just slight upsets. Baylor, a one against a five instead of a four. Gonzaga, one against a five in Creighton. But, you know, you're not seeing those typical matchups. In terms of athletic ability, I probably would stick with that Michigan game. I still am curious about Creighton. They were playing extremely well, then had the disruption with their head coach, Coach McDermott, and kind of went in a little bit of funk, got blown out in the championship game in the Big East. But they bounced back. I think they were a team that a lot of people maybe thought might lose early because of how things ended for them. But, you know, Gonzaga, they were just so impressive. But if I had to watch one game, I probably would go with Michigan, Florida State. But there's some interesting matchups. I still think Loyola is a fun team, you know, with that team. And like I said, Oregon State has been a major surprise with two big upsets so far. 
Well, you know what? Uh, I am a diehard Michigan fan, uh, Chris, and I'd have to say that basically I think 90% of our guests this week have picked Florida State to win this game. So I'll ask you, and we'll put you, you're going to be our next panelist, and uh, the next person we're going to poll, what do you think about uh, this this basketball game? Remember they played a couple of years ago, right? It was 58-54. I'm expecting it to be higher scoring this time around, but I think it's going to be the same result. I think Michigan win by four, six points type thing. What do you think? in this game. Yeah, I wouldn't give Michigan maybe a very slight edge, but you're right. I think Michigan was a team a lot of people were questioning as the number one seed just because they didn't play extremely well down the stretch, had the injury problems with Isaiah Livers, but they're playing well. Haven't had really been battle-tested that much so far. Florida State's one of those athletic teams. They have a lot of interchangeable players. You know, Everybody is 6'4 to 6'8, long wingspans, good shooting team. Leonard Hamilton's done a great job with that program. They've been in the Sweet 16 many times in a row after kind of struggling early on his career at Florida State. I expect that to be probably the most competitive, most exciting game, but you're right. I give Michigan a very, very slight edge. Now listen, Syracuse and Houston might not be for everybody. It's going to be a slugfest, but if you like us tough, scrappy kids that are going to be diving for loose balls, crashing the board, and every possession is going to be like its last, it's like this Syracuse and Houston game. And I see it's like, oh wow, it's in like prime time, sort of Saturday night, and you, you figure, well, it's not, it's not like a glamour game, but like, you know, for me, this is the game that I I'd be like, yeah, I got to see this one. And obviously, I'm watching them all. But Syracuse and Houston, to me, I just, I don't know. I just picture, yeah, it's going to be 69-69 with three seconds left or something like that. Do you disagree with my take? What do you think of the Syracuse-Houston matchup? Yeah, I think this will be an interesting matchup because Syracuse, another team that people maybe didn't expect, and a lot of people even question whether they should get in the tournament, but they're such a tough matchup because of that zone. Beat San Diego State and then had a big win over the weekend. Houston has guard play, and I think that's really key against the zone. They really play basically four guards. Quentin Grimes, a former uh, McDonald American, was thought to be a one and done at Kansas. Didn't work out there. Transferred to Houston. Drew, a very good point guard, and along with Sasser. So I think that will be a key. Can the guard play be enough? They're not a great outside shooting team. They shoot about 36%. You have to be yeah. able to shoot well against his own. So that's a big thing. And again, you know, Syracuse, you know, Bayheim's son, play, buddy, playing extremely well. They're always a tough matchup because of that zone because you don't have a lot of time to prepare. You know, they get a little bit extra bonus because they get basically a week with the schedule being a little different with team games not starting until Saturday instead of tonight, which would normally be the case. So I think that gives them a little bit of benefit. But again, Houston, very, very lucky against Rutgers. They really probably should not have won that game. So they have to feel, feel they're a little blessed and maybe get an extra opportunity to, to advance in this tournament. I give them a very slight edge over Syracuse. I think Syracuse is one of those dangerous teams. So when they're a double-digit seed, they seem to play almost better sometimes. But I think Houston sneaks out with this one. Oral Roberts, as you talked about off the top, has been a, a surprise story to many. You know, dramatic win against uh, Ohio State. Then they beat uh, the Florida Gators. Now they get another SEC team that they played already this year. What do you make of the fact that it's a rematch and there's just more and more tape that they have on Oral Roberts right now? I think Ohio State, you know, was a little caught off guard and they shouldn't have been, but they were. And then I thought, well, Florida's going to have the weekend to sort of see what they want to do, what they like to do. But I got to tell you, Ace Smith is just so fun to watch, right? He's not Zion Williamson. He's not that blue chip. He's not that, you know, oh, look at him. He's just bigger than everybody. And, and oh, look at how he dunks. He's just like an old school college basketball player that just bobs and weaves through the traffic and somehow gets to the rack and for the most part, you know, finishes the plays, hits shots from the outside. They're a confident team that believes they lost by 11 to Arkansas the first time that they played, but they had a 10-point halftime lead. What do you make of a rematch? 
Yeah, I think they have to like their chances. Again, the familiarity, I think, will help this game. And this is a team that was fourth in the Summit League but have the leading score in the country, as you mentioned, in Max. And O'Banner's played extremely well, averaged almost a double-double throughout the year. So he's playing extremely well. And, again, they're playing with house money after two big wins over big-name programs like Ohio State, a number two seed, and then beating Florida. So I think they have to feel good about their chances. Arkansas, I think, has played extremely well. Eric Musselman, a great coach. He's got a great job with that program. Getting them back to national prominence did a great job at Nevada, a team that really did have a lot of tradition. So I think I would give Arkansas the edge. But, again, Oral Roberts has to feel good about their chances, especially the way they've been playing down the track. It's a pretty chalky. It's funny because we said, you know, it's the highest seeds ever. We've been talking about it. If you add up the, the seeding number up to 94. Uh, but without being stated, I don't hear people calling for a lot of upsets this week, right? Like, you know, and all the people are saying, all right, the Beaver's going to win this game outright. Villanova's going to win that game. Oral Roberts going to win that game. Syracuse going to win that game. Florida State and Michigan doesn't really count, as you stated. You know, it's, a, it's not a pick em, but Michigan are just two, two-and-a-half-point favorites in that game. Bammer, six-and-a-half-point favorites. And then we have a short spread in USC and the Ducks. So let me ask you, what? Who do you? which one of the underdogs here on the board do you think can win the game? Not including the Ducks or FSU. So, like, you know, between UCLA, Creighton, Syracuse, Oral Roberts, Villanova, Oregon State. Which one of these teams do you think uh, has the best chance of winning the game outright? Well, UCLA, the way they're playing down the stretch, like we said, lost four in a row. You know, you kind of question how far they would even – you question if they could even beat Michigan State. But I like their chances. They're playing extremely well, balanced team. Lost one of their better players, uh, Smith, with a, a season-ending injury, but they're playing extremely well, really balanced attack. They play great defense, as does Alabama. Alabama has Herbert Jones, probably the best defender in the country, but I think that's a conceivable matchup. And again, I think Oregon State, as much as I like Loyola, I think Loyola comes out of there. You have to like the way Oregon State has been playing down the stretch. They had to win the Pac-12 tournament to even get into the NCAA tournament. Only a 12 seed which is the lowest of any conference champion in a big conference, and they've been playing extremely well with two big upset wins. So I think those two teams have definitely a chance of advancing to the Elite Eight. And Chris Montero with us at collegebasketballnews.com. And, you know, I agree with you. I'm, I'm starting to buy into this Beavers uh, team. And Loyola Chicago is a great story, but there's a different um, – because it's different when you're the hunter as opposed to the hunted, right? I mean, Loyola Chicago, now, hey, now you guys are seven-point favorites. Now you're supposed to win. The Beavers are playing with house money right now. And I've been telling people this all week. I don't need to tell you, Chris, but this Beaver team, it's not a flash. Like, it wasn't like a flash, you know, oh, you know, they were hot for a couple of days. They've been hot for about three weeks right now. Yeah, I usually like the teams that have to, you know, win their conference tournament. Oral Roberts, another team uh, as a fourth seed in the Summit League, had to win their conference tournament to get in. So those teams, you know, at least are winning down the stretch. And you look at some of the regions where teams yeah. maybe haven't been playing that well. I look at the South region, I think only five teams actually won their conference tournament out of the 16 teams. And those were the 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16 teams. So you do like those teams playing well at the right time. Loyola. You know, I like them. I like Porter Moser a lot. I'm very good friends with him, and I think he's an outstanding coach. But, you know, you wonder a little bit about that game against Illinois. That was a game I think a lot of those players on that team were looking forward to because Illinois, obviously the bigger name school in that state, but a lot yeah. of players from Loyola thought they shouldn't have been an eight seed. They should never have had to play a number one seed. So you wonder if they put so much energy in that game that maybe, you know, they'll have a little bit of a letdown. I don't think Porter will let that happen. But again, you know, that was a game that people, you know, were saying, well, can they really beat a team that with, you know, two players who were wood finalists, you know, and Cokeburn and, and the guard play there. But they did extremely well. But you're wondering, you know, 
maybe a little bit of a slight letdown in Oregon State, like you said, playing extremely well at the right time. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that take. And, you know, and obviously you think, well, no, you're, no one can have a letdown in the Sweet 16. And not a letdown, but just subconsciously, you know, if you're the kids on like, oh, you just beat Illinois, it's in-state, you're hearing how great you are all week, and and, and you've got to be thinking, the Beavers, who the hell are these guys? Really? Are the Oregon State Beavers? Come on. Right? And and you don't realize just how scrappy the Beavers are, and also the best the, uh, best defensive team in the Pac-12 and defending, defending the free ball as well. Um, all right, before we get you out of here, Chris, we've got about a minute left. I'm going you know, to throw it out there. I'm going to say Syracuse. I won't be shocked if Syracuse wins that game. I'm going to say that this game, just because I think it's it's going going to be so close, but the, the tournament starting on Friday, even though we had the playing games on Thursday, was unique. Yet, you know, you roll with the punches, you get used to it. But strange situation this week. We're going to have basketball on Monday and Tuesday as well into the Elite Eight. Uh, do you, what, what do you think about this format this year? Yeah, I mean, you got to take what you got to take uh, in a year of COVID, but it is kind of interesting. You have, you know, I always remember people that I know that work at office would always say, hey, well, Thursday and Friday is kind of like our national vacation days. And now this year, of course, you had Friday and Monday games. So now you have games, normally would be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Now you have games rolling over to the next week. So I think it'll be fun, interesting to see how things change. And, and you wonder if maybe they will change things in the future. I actually kind of like the playing games. I still call them the playing games, no matter what anybody says. But I kind of like the fact that they had them all on the one day. I kind of like that. So it'll be interesting to see if maybe the NCAA incorporates some of these things that they kind of had to do into future NCAA tournaments. You know what? I don't, you know, one cool thing, we got to get out of here, but what's going to be cool about it, it's going to be a quick turnover from the Elite Eight to the Final Four, right? It's going to be like, all right, man, boom, all right, a couple of days, we got the Final Four now. That's pretty cool. I don't mind the, I like the, you know, and I get you want to spread it around and, you know, and the fans everywhere, but I like the, the tournament in one city. It's pretty cool. And I think it's cool for fans as well. Some people say, you know what, I'm going to go to the opening round weekend. Now I want to go for the Sweet 16 weekend. Now I want to go for the Final Four weekend. I don't think it's crazy to think about putting it in one place. Um, but um, you know what? I'm not in charge of the NCAA. If I was, things would be done differently, obviously. Chris, we got to go. Yeah, you, you definitely wonder if that will have an effect. And I think it did have an effect in the early rounds when you would have had you know, teams like the high seats playing really, really close to home. You maybe saw teams you know, losing yeah. some of those games because they didn't have that home court, you know, semi-home court advantage. You're exactly right. Chris, it's always a pleasure, my man. We'll speak. Uh, let's catch up uh, next week when the Final Four is broken down or before the championship game. Thanks for the time. Look forward to it. Thanks again. Enjoy the game. To be honest, we should come with a warning label. Caution. 24-hour sports talk may cause mild addiction. Get on the grid. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories. Stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Believe it or not, you can listen too much to us. (laughs) 
Get to know your family again. Did you know your wife cries herself to sleep every night? That's what she told us. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. Three minute warning. Level two. We're not done yet either. Drew Martin's going to step up and in. I like to to, uh, to get as many different opinions and perspectives on these games so our listeners and viewers can make up their mind. I like to look at this, um, as you know, this is sort of, it's sort of like, a, it's like a trial. It's like a, it's like a trial, right? And uh, our guests are sort of like uh, the lawyers, prosecutors, defenders, etc. And they make the cases, and then it's up to you, you guys are the jury. You decide at the end, you know, just because I say it or somebody else says they like something, maybe you go, you know what? I disagree with this, uh, these facts, or you're leaving something out along the way. Now, we're trying to get, you know, cover as many of these games as we can. I'd say that we probably neglected the Baylor-Villanova game. We have to focus in on that game a bit. And this USC-Duck game, the Trojans and Duck game, I'm really looking forward to this one. I thought it was a good question, actually. Oh, sounds like a late-night poll question, but a good question, actually, if you only can watch one game. If you can only... Now, for me, listen, I'm a Michigan fan, so, you know, obviously, if I can only watch one game, it would be uh, the Michigan game. But hypothetically, you know, if I wasn't, let's take... I'll take the Michigan game out of it. The games I'm most looking forward to... I've talked myself into the Beavers so much. I'm fired up. Plus, this is the first game, so I'm just looking forward to getting started. The Oral Roberts-Arkansas game, I'm looking forward to. It's going to be cool. The Baylor game, I think Baylor's going to kill Villanova. Uh, Arkansas and Oral Roberts, I'm fired up for it. Oral Roberts has been good to me. But I, you know, I got a feeling, I'm telling you, the Syracuse-Houston game is going to be a good one. That game's going to come down to the wire. It's Saturday night. It's late night. It's going to be late at night. It's going to be intense, that game. It's up to six and a half right now. You know, that one is a can't miss. And to me, you know, like I said, the Ducks and Trojans. The Ducks and Trojans. The Trojans played the Ducks, and I want to look this up and see exactly what the lead was. But I know because I was on the Ducks. I've been, I was riding the Ducks forever. They got absolutely smoked in the first half of that game. Like I'm telling you, it was like 24-3 or something stupid like that. Bring it. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories. Stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts.